Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of James. The New Testament book of James and James in chapter 4. We've been walking through this wonderful epistle that is found in the last part of the New Testament. If you find the book of Hebrews, the next book is James. If you're going backwards, it's going to be Revelation, Jude, 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, 2 Peter, 1 Peter. And then we come to the book of James. The book of James is a very important book because it is the book of wisdom for the New Testament Christian. It is the book of wisdom that helps us as Christians to know how we live. It is a very practical book. Now we find our way to the book of James in chapter number four. The book of James chapter number four and notice with me in verse number one. The book of James chapter four and verse number one, the Bible says this. James in chapter four and verse one, the Bible says, from whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, and ye have not, because you ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, ye may cons- that you may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think That the scripture saith in vain that the spirit dwelleth in us to lust to envy. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith God resisteth the proud but giveth grace unto the humble. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible. Would you mark a very powerful phrase in the book of James in chapter number 4. The book of James chapter 4. Notice with me in verse number 6. He giveth more grace. He giveth us more grace. We understand there is a solution for all of the things we find in the Christian life. Every issue in the Christian life could be answered with this answer, grace, grace. For every need we have access to more grace. In fact, Our God is the only source of this grace, grace. What is grace, by the way? Grace is getting what we don't deserve. It's Christ's riches at our, at at, um, God's riches at Christ's expense. God giveth grace. Those things that we don't deserve, he gives us grace. He gives us grace to be able to face temptation. He gives us grace to be able to, to continue on. He gives us grace for everything we need. Grace is where we should be living at, looking for God's grace. We know that God is full of grace and truth. We have to live the Christian life with just this statement. He giveth more grace. God's supply for our need is never depleted. God giveth more 
grace. Oh, I'm so thankful that as high as our needs are, as deep as our needs are, God giveth more grace. If we're going to understand this grace, let's kind of examine this passage in the book of James chapter number four and understand this principle of grace and maybe why it's needed that we can't just say grace, grace, grace. We actually have to put the backdrop of why grace is needed. The book of James chapter number four explains this. The first thing that we understand is that we must deal with our old nature. We must deal with our old nature nature. What do we mean by that? Well, Jesus talks about in the book of John chapter three, when he's talking to Nicodemus, that verily, verily, ye must be born again. Well, when Jesus said that, Nicodemus scratched his old silver head and said, I don't understand. What do you mean by that? It's not exactly like I could crawl back into mom. How does this work? And Jesus explained in John chapter three, that we all have to have two births. And just as real as your first birth was, your second birth is just as real. There should be an event. There should be something that goes along with it. Well, when you come to know Jesus Christ as your savior, the Holy Spirit, who is God, comes to dwell inside of us. And now we have developed what the Bible calls two different natures. We have the old man and we have the new man. When you get saved, you do become a new creature, but it does not eradicate our old nature. This is why we as Christians, even though we're Christians, we still have the ability to sin. I wish we didn't. We still have that old man. And our old man, by the way, is very powerful. Our old man wants things, desires things. It wants petted and cuddled. It wants uh, the praise and adoration. It wants the pat in the back. Our flesh is strong. And that's where our problem is, is that we have two natures. And because of this, we need God's grace because our other nature is so powerful. If you were to be honest with you, you are not strong enough to control your old nature. Amen. Your old nature will yeah. dominate and stampede past everything that you want. It is the war that we're fighting. It is a constant fight that we're always having. It's between the nature of God that's now living inside of us that wants to do right versus our other nature that says, I don't care what God wants. I want what I want. And they're constantly at war with each other. We're struggling. How do we win this? It's not by your willpower. It's not by how you say, no, flesh, don't. It's by God's grace. I can't do this. I'm not strong enough. I'm not powerful. I need God's grace. Now we know that God has already provided his mercy. What is God's mercy? God's mercy is not giving to us what we do deserve. If we were to be honest, all of us deserve to be roasting in hell right now. Anything above that is definitely God's grace and God's mercy. We deserve to be cooking but God has allowed us to have salvation. Then beyond salvation, you know what? Anything above that is definitely God's riches because we don't deserve anything. If I'm just forgiven of my sins, period, I mean, that's more than I deserve. But God loves to give good gifts unto his children. And God wants us to thrive and succeed and be victorious in our life. This is why God gives his grace. His grace is what surplants our need. His grace is able to give us when we are not able to do it ourselves. And if we were to be honest, we can't do 
anything ourselves. God giveth more grace. God giveth more grace. Oh, I'm so thankful for it. Hold your finger here. Let's just do a quick little thing and show you a couple things what the Bible says about his grace. As we talk about the two natures that we have, our need of God's grace. Turn with me, if you don't mind, the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians in chapter number two. Don't lose your place in James. We will return there here momentarily. But we need to understand this old nature so we can understand why we need God's grace. Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians in chapter number two. Notice with me, if you don't mind, Ephesians chapter two and verse number eight. Ephesians chapter two and verse eight. Notice it says this. For by grace, that's the word we're looking for. For by grace are ye saved through faith. May I pause? When we talk about God's grace, we said God is giving us something that we don't deserve. It's giving us something that we can't do ourselves. None of us can get saved in ourselves. How do we get saved? By grace. None of us can come to God by our own. May I underscore that? When we got saved, it was because of God's grace because none of us had the ability to turn to God for ourselves. God's grace is an important part of salvation. Nobody could say, listen here, I recognize the truth by myself and I accept it God's gift by myself. No, God gave you grace to understand and grace to have a desire to, to accept Christ. God's grace. How are we saved? For by grace are ye saved through faith. What is our part? Faith. We're trusting in God's promises. There's a decision we have. God doesn't override our decision making. But he gives us grace so we can make that decision. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is important to understand that God's grace and our decision making are part of it. But you can't make the decision without God's grace. We can't do it. We are not strong enough to turn to God on our own. Now, if we couldn't turn to God on our own for salvation, guess what? We're not strong enough to turn to God on our own when our flesh is raging. Amen. We need God's grace. You can't underscore how important God's grace is. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man shall boast. <laughs> One of the interesting things is that if we could do it by ourselves, we'd brag on it. It's disconcerting to hear people. Yeah, I went through hard times like you, but let me tell you, I picked myself up by the bootstraps and I just pushed through. <laughs> All right, well, that's good. But if we were to be honest, we had to recognize, listen, I had no ability myself. God gave me so much grace. And let me take the next step and the next step and the next step. As long as we think that we can, we will. The quickest way to spiritual victory in your life to realize how unable you truly are. You know, I'm going to read my Bible by myself and I'm going to get this. Good job. Then come to me when you fail. God... I need your help to read your Bible every day. I, I, left to me, I'm going to fail. Why? Because my flesh is strong. Amen. Hmm, Facebook, reading Bible. Your flesh is like, come on, just see the next post. Come on, next post. I need God's grace because I can't do it by myself. Well, there's always something more interesting than the Bible, if you were to be honest. Hey, look, the snow's falling, right? I taught school for a while. You let any other distraction happen, the kids are going to go watch that. That's flesh. 
You don't have the kid that says, oh, I don't care what's happening outside. The fire can be raging. I just have to hear what the teacher says. Teach me now. <laughs> That's our flesh. We're easily distracted. We're like bunnies on, <laughs> on five-hour energy, on caffeine. <laughs> Squirrel. I need God's grace because I don't, can't do it. Have you ever been to the place where the world words kind of don't make sense? I'm sure they're words and I don't see how they're putting together, but I need God's grace. Lord, I don't have the ability. I need God's grace. Wake up on Sunday morning and you try to prepare on Saturday night, but oh, I don't feel like going. I need God's grace. I need God's grace. Oh, I need to go witness to someone and I can't. I'm just scared. I don't want to say, I need God's grace. I need God's grace. You understand, the more that you realize how inept you really are, and you are, you're inept, bankrupt, you're powerless physically. I need God's grace. I can't do it by myself. The more that you realize that, the more you're going to cling to God's grace and the more grace that he has to give to you. This is the secret. I can't live the Christian life myself. I can't do it myself. I can't even manage to be obedient by myself. I need God's grace. Where do I get it? God, give me grace. That's the source. You say, but then I have to do it every minute. Praise the Lord. You'll be better off because of it. I need God's grace. I need God's grace. I need God's grace. I need God's. Yes. Yes, absolutely. You'll be better off because you are not able. You said, this is an encouraging message. Listen, this is the best thing I could give to you right now. You are not strong enough as a Christian. None of us are. You said, you're the pastor. Listen, I tell you most of all, I'm the weakest one. I need God's grace. I need God's grace. I need God's grace. I need God's grace. Because everything's more interesting than studying. You think I don't have issues, you know, studying? I mean, I like to study. I'm a nerd. But when it comes to the Bible, it's a spiritual warfare there. Hey, what church on Facebook? Oh, look, I got these emails. I better go check this out. Hey, I need God's grace. I need God's grace. Every one of us need it. We are not strong enough. God's grace helps us to deal with our old nature because we're at war. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapter 4. We need God's grace. Where do we get God's grace? Hebrews chapter 4 gives us the answer. The book of Hebrews chapter number 4. And notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 14. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, that passed on to heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which could be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, so because we have a high priest, because we have the God who's sitting on the throne, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I just go to the throne room of grace and say, Lord, I need God grace. Lord, you're a God who's sitting on the throne who will never fail, never fall asleep, never give me a busy single, never tell me to push one for English, two for Spanish. Never a God who says I'm too busy, I'll deal with this later. He'll give me grace in the time of need. And if we're going to be honest, we're our time of need is always. always. 
time of need. Go to the throne room of grace. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your grace. Lord, I'm not able. Lord, I'm listening to this person looking straight in the eye and I want to punch him in the face. Lord, I need your grace. I need your grace. I need your grace. I don't know what to say. They're looking at me as if I'm supposed to know what to say. Lord, I need your grace. We have access to grace. God giveth more grace. Turn back with me, if you don't mind, to the book of James. Let's explore this passage here. So we see that we must deal with the old nature. We've got two natures. You've got the nature of the Holy Spirit living inside of you that wants to do what's right, that's telling you to do right. And then you've got your old flesh that says, nah, that's not for me. And they're at war with each other. They're never going to be in agreement. Your flesh is never going to say, reading your Bible is a good thing. Your flesh is never going to say, hey, let's do whatever God wants. Always going to be a struggle. How do you deal with that? I need God's grace. I need God's grace. Notice as we dive in a little bit more, the war that's within us. These two natures are at war. Notice with me, James chapter four, verse one. From whence, meaning where, tell me where the location, where come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust, that war within your members? Where does fighting come from? (laughs) Our flesh. The Bible speaks about in the book of Proverbs, only by pride cometh forth contention. Your pride is your flesh, by the way. I'm better than you. Why are we in a fight with someone? Have you ever talked to someone and then all of a sudden feel that heat raging inside of you starting to get there? That's called flesh. You're ready to fight. You're on the defensive now. Hey, how's your Bible reading? What are you talking about? I read my Bible. I just asked a question here. That's our flesh. Our flesh is ready to fight. Only by pride cometh contention. Hey, I miss you in church. What do you mean by that? We're ready to go. We're on the defensive. We want to defend our actions. That's pride. That's our flesh. Our flesh is ready to go to war. It's ready to go a couple rounds to prove that we're right. It's what causes everything. Why is pretty much every war ever happened? Because of pride. Somebody thought they were right. And they thought they were more right with someone else and they wanted to prove it. That's why every fight happens. It's why every war happens. Whether it's a big war or whether it's a war between you and your wife. I'm more right than her and I'm going to make her realize it. That's a war. It's pride. Where do they all come from? Our flesh. It takes a lot of grace to be able to say, Lord, I want to feel like I I want to win. I need your grace because I don't need to be in this fight. Where do the wars come from? The even wars in your own member, the fight within yourself. Lord, I need to read my Bible, but I don't want to. I need your grace. That comes from our flesh, our other nature. It's at war with each other. Verse two, ye lust. Where does our lust come from? Our flesh, our flesh lust for things. Now the word lust doesn't just carry the idea of sexual desires. It carries the idea of any desire that you want. You lust. I desire something that I don't currently have. I desire to be something, do something. I lust and ye have not. Isn't that always the way? I want more and more and I don't have it. I want what I don't have. It says, you lust and you have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. That word kill 
means kill, but it carries with it in this context that we'll fight and push and step on people to have more and we still don't get what we want. We're never satisfied. And after we live a, leave a trail of bodies behind us, we're still not happy with what we got. Was that destruction and fighting worth it when it doesn't satisfy, when you don't get the end result? But that's how most people live our lives and that's how we live our lives. We step on the little guy. We do whatever we can to get ahead. If we have to shiv someone to make us feel better or to make us feel right, then we're willing to shiv someone, right? Imagine the arguments that you've been into and what low down tactics that you thought you had to go to, right? Whether it's bringing up the past, you feel that as a weapon. You try to get as many people on your side. There's more people that agree with me than you. We, we go through underhanded tactics to win. Why? Because our argument's not working, so now we have to bully them, right? Isn't that how we fight? We get down dirty and we're mean and nasty about it. And we hurt people along the way. And when it's all said and done, did it make it better? No, not at all. That's our flesh and our lust. It says in verse two, ye lust and ha have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war and have not because you ask not. It simply is that we try to do everything ourselves when we could have asked God in the first place. We miss this. We have not because we ask not. You know, we have a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. And yet we don't go to God and ask for the things that we need to have. And we could have had it. Instead, we feel like we got to fight and force our way and push and shove and to try to make it happen. You see, you either live your life one of two ways. You live your life by force or you live your life by faith. You either trust God and depend on him or you feel like you've got to make things happen by forcing and manipulating. For example, just the old illustration. I love basic things. Children's toy. Stole it from the nursery. They don't need it. Did you know that you could actually take a square block and put it in a round hole? Now it doesn't go easy. It doesn't go naturally, but you could force that thing in there to make it work. That's how we live our lives. You know, if we put it in the square hole, the square peg in the square hole, it's easy. But what we do is we feel like we've got to manipulate, we've got to scheme, we've got to force, we've got to push, and we work so hard to get that block in there. And it took a lot more effort than what it was really worth by the end. When we could have surrendered and done it God's way and trust God, and it would have been easier and less of a fight. We have not because we ask not. We either live our life by force or we live our life by faith. This is the war that we have within us. Notice as it goes on in verse 4. This is powerful. This is a verse that changed my life. Uh, verse 3, let's hit that one first. Ye ask and receive not because you ask amiss. You know, there's sometimes we finally get around to asking God, but we ask God more to help us out rather than asking for his grace. What do you want for this? Lord, I'm asking for you to make them do what I want them to do. Isn't that how sometimes we pray? Lord, you know how stubborn my wife is. Beat her up until she finally admits that I'm right. We ask God stuff like that. You know, if you to be honest, Lord, I want that strawberry sundae. Give it to me now. We ask and demand things from God all the time. And then God didn't answer my prayer. 
Why? Verse 3, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. How many of our prayers are for selfish things? Even our so-called spiritual things. Lord, save my husband. Why do you want him saved? So that way I have a better life. Well, then it's not for God's glory. You're doing it because you want to have something better. It's your own lust, even with our own selfishness. Lord, I want you to fix my boss. Why do you want them fixed? So that way I have a better time at work. It's all about me. And we wonder why some of our prayers don't get answered. Lord, I want you to save my boss so that way you can get glory from their lives. Now I'm asking correctly. But even our prayers are selfish and we wonder why our prayer life isn't effective. Because it's all about us. It's all about us. Verse 4 is the scary verse. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. This idea of adulterers and adulteresses is talking about spiritual adultery. What is adultery, by the way? It's putting love and affection that belong to someone to someone else. Do you know that you could commit adultery without committing the actual physical act? If I put feelings and emotions that belong to someone else, I could do that in my mind. I'm married. If I put my affections and emotions to a picture, to a video, to someone else that belonged to my wife, I've committed adultery. I've given time and emotions, feelings that belong to her to someone else. Well, in this case, spiritual adultery is putting love, time, and affection that belong to God and giving it to someone else, a little g God. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is, present tense, enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be the friend of the world is, present tense, the enemy of God. That's a powerful statement. You cannot be friends with the world and give into your flesh and do what your flesh wants and be the friend of God at the same time. Those don't work. You say, but, but, but I don't understand. Okay, let's clarify. Does God have a plan that he wants to get accomplished? What happens is that when we are not doing what we're supposed to and we start just listening to the world, we by default are in the way of what God's trying to get accomplished. And because we're in the way of what God wants to be accomplished, we've now become an enemy because we're hindering what God wants to get done. It's not that we've said, I've decided to follow Satan. We're doing it just because we're in the way. All right, so let's imagine we're running a race. And as we're running a race, that someone gets in your way. Are they your enemy in winning that race? Yeah, Yeah, because they're in the way. They're hindering you from running to getting to where you're supposed to be. Well, God wants to get something accomplished and he wants to work through us. But we're at the place where we're not doing what God wants us to do. We're hindering his plan. This is why by default we become the enemy of God. Now, this is a big deal. Where do the wars come from? Where do us becoming enemy of God? Our flesh. We're in the way. That's a scary verse to think about. I could be an enemy of God, not because I'm trying to, but just because I'm in the way. That I become the enemy of God. How many people are not coming closer to the Lord because I'm in the way. How many people are not getting right with God because I'm 
in the way. You understand this is a big deal. All of your actions have consequences. You are either helping God get things accomplished or you're in the way. Everything that we do, this is a big deal. Verse number five. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy? We know that the spirit inside of us very much wants its own way. There is a war going on. Has Christ conquered your heart? Why are we always on the edge, just about ready to erupt? Where do these wars come from? They come from our own members, the lust that's inside. Let's explain a little bit more about these lusts. Turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. We're coming back to James just a second, but we want to try to understand where does this lust, let's define our terms so we could be on the same page. 1 John chapter number 2. Notice with me in verse 15. 1 John chapter 2. If you were in James, the very next book over is 1 John. Uh, 1 John chapter 2, notice with me verse 15. Love not the world. That's just what we were talking about, right? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Meaning we're in the way. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of the life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Let's explain these lusts. The lust of the eyes is the desire to have something. The lust of the eyes is the desire to have something. I see something, I want it. I lust with my eyes. <laughs> The idea of the lust of the flesh is the desire to do something. I want to do something. I want to have my way. I know I shouldn't do this right now, but this is what I want to do. That's the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes is the desire to have something. And then we have the pride of life. The pride of life is the desire to be something. The desire to be something. All the lust in our members could be pretty much wrapped up into those three things. All right? The lust to do something. I'm supposed to read my Bible, but Facebook's more interesting. The lust to do something. The lust to have something. I see something that I don't currently have. It's not God's will for me to have, but I want it anyways. The lust of the eyes. And then the pride of life, the desire to be something. I want people to recognize how great I am. I want my wife to recognize how right I am. I want my boss to realize what a great guy that I really am. The desire to be something. When these lusts are in charge, our actions will follow suit. There are things that I will say that I normally wouldn't say when I want people to recognize how great I am. Everyone look at me. Look at how wonderful I am. I am an example of a Christian. Oh, please touch me quickly, quickly. Ooh. The desire to do something. The arguments that we get in. Listen, recognize how great I am or else. Recognize how right I am or else. That's our argument. If we were to understand when we're getting an argument with people, it's because we want them to recognize how great we are, how right we are, and that they're wrong. The, the desire to have something, the desire to do something, 
the desire to be something. These are the base elements that cause all of the friction, all of the strife, all of the contention, all of the problems. You said, all right, we're going back to not to be encouraging. Listen, we have to lay this down. What is the answer? Grace. Grace. If you think about the things that you do, in fact, the next time you get in a fight with your wife, the next time you get in a, get in a hang where you feel heated when your boss is t- talking to you, when, uh, when you see the Burger King commercial flame broiled Whopper and you say, I want one of those when your wife has made you something at home. Think about where did this come from? It's from my flesh. I want these for my lust. I I want them for myself. It's the problem that I have. And realize I need grace. How can I be satisfied with what my wife made me when I'm looking at a Burger King commercial? I need grace. Lord, give me grace to enjoy what I currently have, what you've given me. Give me grace to be able to listen to my boss. Maybe they're trying to tell me something important rather than maybe they're not telling me how much of a scumbag I really am. When you're in an argument, why am I getting so heated with my wife? Why? What is the purpose of this? I want her to realize how right I am. Well, who cares who set the washing machine at 50 minutes versus, right? We fight over stupid, silly things and it goes on because we want them to know how right we are and just admit that I'm right. When somebody says, you know, it really didn't matter who said it. Who cares? But that's all flesh and that's where all our fights and issues come from. We need God's grace. Verse number six of James chapter four, verse six. But he, God, giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Notice how this works. Zeb, please come help me. Here's an illustration of how things work. It says that God resisteth the proud. So it's like this. He's going to push against my hand. And the more that he pushes, the more force I have to exert to keep him in place. He's working hard. He's actually working hard today. And he's, he's working and he's putting forth a lot of effort. But is anything getting accomplished? No. And the more effort that he gets, the more frustrated he's going to be because he's not moving where he's supposed to. However... When he gives up and stops fighting, God giveth grace to the humble. Is he getting more accomplished? Is it less of an effort? Because now he's being helped and given things. That's the idea when we stop fighting. Thank you, sir. When we stop fighting, God says, all right, let's get things accomplished. And you can get more things done in that time where you stop fighting than the times that you're trying to do it yourself. So many people are so frustrated with their life because they're trying to make it happen. What do we need? God giveth more grace. I can't do it. I'm not strong enough. I'm not as smart as I think I am. I'm not as great as I think I am. I'm not as right as I think I am. I'm not as able as I think I am. I need God's grace. Lord, help me. Help me. I'm not able. One last passage. You guys have listened well. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We need God's grace. What do I need God's grace for? Everything. Everything. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 
2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Notice with me in verse 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. And God is able to make all grace. I like that word all. All grace abound towards you. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things. Notice three times we have the word all. All grace. All sufficiency for all things. May abound to every good work. You know what we have is we have the thing that is sufficient for all things. That's God's grace. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You need grace. I'm a student taking a test. I need God's grace. Amen. Hey, I'm dealing with someone that's problematic. I need God's grace. Hey, I'm having trouble being the husband and the wife I ought to be. I need God's grace. Hey, I'm having issues being the parent I ought to be. I need God's grace. Hey, I'm having problems with a coworker. I need God's grace. Hey, I'm having money problems. I need God's grace. Hey, I have a lack of this. I need God's grace. We can plead God's grace for all things. God's grace is all sufficient. It is all we need. God's able to have it. He's able to give it to us liberally. He's able to give us to it abundantly. He's given it to us all sufficiently. God's grace will take care of everything. The wonderful thing about the Christian life is the thing we have to struggle with. No one can live the Christian life on their own. The thing we need to realize is no one can live the Christian life on their own. God's given us his grace to help us to live the life that we can't live on our own. None of us could do it ourselves. Only God can do his work. We need God's grace. 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 God never expected us to live the Christian life on our own because we are unable to live it our own. And the more that we try, the more things are going to fall apart. The more we humble ourselves and say, Lord, I can't. I'm not able. I'm not smart enough. I'm not brave enough. I'm not intelligent enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I need Jesus. I need God's grace for everything. He is the all-sufficient Christ. There is nothing that we will ever need that he cannot supply. We can trust him for every single thing. Have you been trusting God's grace for yourself? Maybe it's just the place where you need to realize, first of all, you cannot. You are not as great, smart, intelligent, strong as you think you are. I need him. Surrender to him and say, Lord, I need you. I need you for this step. Then I need you for this step. Then I need you for this step. And then I need you for this step. God's grace. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time 
to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920-530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.